0: Weirdo Bookworms Unite! We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Fans of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading. Welcome back to Genre Junkies. Tonight, we have a novel for you in my favorite genre, which is horror. I'm, of course, your host, Sandra, and I'm joined, as always...
1: By Scott, hello, everybody.
0: Hello, and our producer, Stitches, is hanging out right here, too. So as you guys know by now, horror is totally my thing, the greatest love of my life besides the husband, and I'm so excited to bring us another horror novel tonight on Genre Junkies. So tonight, we're going to be talking to you about a novel titled Mask Beneath Her Face by Raphael Chandler. Why don't I give you a little synopsis breakdown? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Slashers are back. During the 1980s, slashers haunted the terrified minds of Americans. Our story follows a small group of survivors. Bobby, Sam, and Jesse are all bonded by having outlived and outlasted through their own nightmarish tales. But in our present day, a new slasher has arisen. How will our old school friends fare in this new era? And are the slashers of our past ever really gone?
1: So first of all, Raphael, uh, I love you. Just uh, we follow you on Instagram and I think vice versa. Mm -hmm. Feel free to use that as your synopsis on your book. (laughs) I I, I, I wrote
0: that. I'm totally cool with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think the synopsis that's written for this book doesn't really do it justice. I think this one is more more indicative of what the story is about.
0: So this is not a spoiler alert, guys, but this is a cracking good read. So... Raphael Chandler, this is our first time having read his work. He's written um, video games. He's written a few other novels and stuff. See, the cool thing is that you guys, you can find him on social media. He is not unobtainable. He's like a real like person you can reach out and touch on social media and his website. And that is really cool. You have the chance to kind of get in on the ground level with this really good writer.
1: And he really is a fun follow on Instagram. He's very interesting.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally interesting. So that having been said, obviously, we're we're not being like paid by him or anything for this review. We just um, are really happy to talk about this book because we're both super stoked to read it.
1: Yeah. And full disclosure, uh, Raphael was very kind to send us a copy of this book signed and We definitely had a little bit of trepidation to review this book. because He did
0: not ask us to.
1: He did not ask us to. And I was very concerned because I didn't want to leave a bad review for someone who is very kind to send us a book.
0: And though I'm a kind person, I have a little bit more journalistic integrity practice than Scott. And I was like... No, I'm going to give a fair and honest review, no matter how much I love this guy on social media.
1: Oh, and I agree. I want to be fair, but good. I don't know if we'd be talking about this book if we hated it.
0: Probably not, because he is a cool dude. Uh, good news, as I said, not a spoiler spoiler alert. We did not hate this book. So
1: let's go into our own experience with the book. We've kind of talked about it a little bit, but we have our own patented scores to go through.
0: Heck yes. Do you want to start? Do you want me to start?
1: I'd love to start. Go for it. This book really was a page turner for me. Mask is such a fun book. Chandler creates fabulously elaborate setups for the murders, and I really came to care about the characters in the end. Uh, The first act is a little rough, and it took me a little bit to get through it. Specifically, the characters take some time to get attached to, and the first part is all about that. But once you get past that very first part and you get to the real plot, I really just could not put it down
0: all right, cool. Um, We're actually in agreement on this. This was a definite page turner for me. Uh, Despite my terribly busy holiday schedule, which I know everybody's got going on right now, I found that I wanted to devour this book. This is so fun for horror fans, especially if you've watched a a lot of horror movies, you're a slasher fan. This kind of Sets up the slasher universe. It's not like this truth universally known, but basically. It's like all the slasher, wonderful movies from the 80s were real. This was real stuff that was really happening. A lot of people, it's like people have kind of turned a blind eye from it and they don't want to think about it and admit that this was all really happening. But there was all of it. There was the live dolls that were like possessed by spirits. There's these killers that are that are human, that are supernaturally charged. All that good slasher stuff.
1: The vengeful mothers, the unkillable demons, all of it.
0: It's beautiful. I mean, it really is. Like, I would say this is a little bit of a love letter to horror fans, especially if you're a slasher fan. You you gotta read this. You just gotta. So having said that, we're actually going to pause for a little quick break. Uh, Don't worry, we're not going to talk about spoilers when we get back from this break. We're still going to keep it spoiler free for a while. But but we
1: have some friends we'd like you to hear from. Yeah. you like horror movies? So do we.
0: Plucks his eyeballs yep. out. Uh, just cut this keeps this out. it on out. She yeah. was great.
1: Do you like American Horror Story? So do we. There
0: were some butts. Yep, killings. Yep, butt. Yep, killings. But Yep, Killins. It's over 90% cheek. That's your butt. You see the essence of the butt. Are you into vampires
1: dancing in mesh tank tops? Us too.
0: I was mesmerized <laughs> by the mesh tank top and leather pants.
1: Are you into high-minded film critique and discussion? Because we've got that. And it is beautifully filmed. Like, it really... Just the stark contrast of colors, like you said. Not your thing? How about a dick joke? His dick, dude. He put his dick in a f***ing pig. Come on. We've also got one dude to give dude perspective. Zombie apocalypse is no time to have your head in the pussy clouds, Mickey. This is survival. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So head over to iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you listen, and subscribe to The Bloodlust, your go-to podcast for classy broads and a token dude talking horror.
0: Let's talk about some characters here. So our leads are Sam, Jesse, and Bobby and Chris. So let's break these uh, these guys and gals down for you a little bit. I really like how fleshed out and varied everybody was. There's definitely some diversity rep in here as well. There's a character who's African American and Jesse. Chris is uh, Latina. Uh, Really cool stuff. I always like to point out when we have diversity in books because it's always something a lot of us seek out and don't want just all whitewashed characters all the time. I would have liked to have fallen even more in love with these people. I guess... Maybe that's my biggest criticism of this book, is though I loved the characters, I could have used even more character stuff, because I was I was pretty well invested in everybody.
1: By the end, I agree. I was very invested, but it really struggled, particularly at the beginning of the book, of making you understand who each character was individually and making you care about them, so that it was a slow burn to that investment.
0: See, I don't quite agree with that, I mean, I I respect your opinion, but I was pretty much right out the bat. I was pretty clear on who everybody was and what sort of role they played as survivors of their own horror movies, so to speak.
1: Well, I understood where they stood in things, but I didn't care about them immediately. In fact, I disliked most of the characters at the beginning. What? Yeah, they're very flawed, and that's a good thing in this book. Yeah. But- as opposed to starting with characters that you initially like and then showing their flaws, it really showed their flaws and put them forward first and just brought you around to them by the end.
0: So I guess it's a little bit of, of a matter of your own personal preference with this. See, so Scott didn't fall right in love with everybody. I fell obviously more quickly in love with everybody. So you're going to have to gauge that for your own self. But we both agree that the, the characters were good.
1: Oh, yeah. And I don't think that that was was truly a failure on his part. I just think it's a different writing style that did take me a little bit longer to wrap my head around.
0: Hey, speaking of writing style, want to talk about that a little bit?
1: I'd love to. It it kind of jumps between different characters' perspectives, and it is isn't a past tense, third-person view.
0: Definitely. There's um, different perspectives and those different sort of tenses in time.
1: Chandler does do a good enough job changing up the writing style between each character's point of view to make it clear that it is really coming from their thoughts. Sometimes books have a tendency when they switch point of views of just really keeping the author's voice, and this did a good job of, of keeping the character's voice instead. I feel it was really sharp and very well written. Mm -hmm. I'm very scared when I read books that are self-published because they sometimes have problems with editing and could really use a critical eye. This really was very well crafted and very solid.
0: It definitely and I appreciate that. I appreciate that as from him as a writer.
1: I feel like I'm saying a lot of things. I was afraid of this, and it surprised me. And I was afraid of that, and that right? surprised you, you me.
0: Debbie Downer. But th- this book
1: really did do that for me. I was so afraid to read this book because Aww. there are some, while fun books, books that really suffer from from being self published, and this is not mm-hmm. it.
0: No, I agree. I mean, he definitely has a keen eye and he's uh, not a self-important or egotistical writer. You can tell that he held back when he needed to hold back. I love there's some good gore in this book and I I love me some good gore.
1: Oh it's a really gory book.
0: Oh yeah. Uh so his writing style is very easy to me. This is what lends itself to being a page turner. It's not only the the action the characters but just the writing itself like you said it's it it's sharp. It keeps you going. It's, um, there's not a lot of filler. There's not a lot of, wow, we could have done without, like, seven chapters in this book when I was done with it. Uh, he is really skilled. And for somebody that I was relatively, I mean, unknown and very unknown to me, I was really, really pleased by that as well, kind of as you were saying. Uh, There's not tons of dialogue in this book, which worked for me for this story. But of course, the dialogue he had was good. It was realistic. It was conversational. It was current. It felt felt real. Relatable, I should say.
1: The dialogue was very smart and was very natural. I agree. It had a, a great flow to it when they did talk. And when, when characters were speaking, it really had a purpose. There was no filler.
0: Yeah, yeah, because sometimes in books, you're like, these characters are really bland, or they kind of blend together. But instead, it's like everybody kind of has their own voice, their own bent, like Jesse's an intellectual. And the way he presents himself, even his internal monologue is like that. He's a writer, he's a true crime writer, he writes about these slasher things. And that really came across, not only for Jesse's character, but in Chandler's writing, Bobby is She's a tough girl, man. She's a survivor. But she, you know, she kind of gets into the substances a little bit. So that was really clear. She's also probably the most profane among them. Chris had her own voice. Sam had his own voice and motivations as kind of this guidance counselor who wants to reach out and help other people, you know, not necessarily people who are victims, uh, survivors, like they were slashers. But yeah, kind of that guidance counselor mentality.
1: Well, I like how each of them have coped with their horror in different ways. Oh, definitely. They're each very unique. And there's a lot of different ways that you can cope with disaster. And all three of them have gone in those different directions.
0: Right. Like trope has sort of a negative connotation, but they're all kind of their own tropes of how people in horror books and movies kind of deal with their trauma.
1: They all can come together because they all suffered very similar fates. And they all very much care about the girl that they've basically been raising together, Chris.
0: Chris is definitely an interesting character, not your typical YA character. Um, really cool, interesting voice uh, in the story. And as you know, since we do read a lot of YA, you know, sometimes in books in the past, you can tell when a, a young person is written and it's like, you don't know anything about young people. You don't know what you're talking about. And this, like I said, it felt current. It felt real. Without being too referential.
1: And I cared about her so much. Me too. She is the one character that from the very get-go, the character work that was done on her was excellent.
0: Probably my favorite character.
1: Uh, mine too. She's very relatable. She's very normal. And yet it, it, she's very normal in the sense that she's has a lot of inner turmoil just because she's a teenager and she's had kind of a hard life
0: kind of, kind of is an understatement. She she definitely had a hard life. And the thing is, is like all good slasher stories, kind of uh, Chris withstanding, because she's younger, but with the adult characters, this all happened in the 80s, like we said, when they were teens. So there's some sort of fun, like, 80s throwback-ish sort of references and stuff, and kind of these people coping with being middle-aged in today's world. I don't know, there's some cute references.
1: I definitely got some Ready Player One vibes in the, hey, remember this that happened in the 80s? Remember this store that you used to go to in the 80s? And I mean that in a good way.
0: Oh, yeah. And I bet you loved all the tabletop gaming references. I bet you you ate that up with a friggin' spoon.
1: I really did. I could have used some more, to be honest.
0: (laughs) See, and for me, they were fine. But it's obviously, I kind of was like, you know, it wasn't totally my thing, but I appreciate it for the characters. I-, I liked a little bit more that Sam was a little bit more of a metal guy and he was like a mall rat in the 80s. Bobby was, I'm, I don't want to say she was a party girl, but that's kind of where her story took places at her 16th birthday. Uh, so yeah, just well fleshed out 80s referential, again, uh, tropes.
1: It's important to point out that even though this is based on the slashers of the 80s, their stories are very unique to them.
0: Oh, yes, yes.
1: They're not oh, this person was attacked by Freddy and this person was attacked by Jason. They're very unique and very inventive and definitely. creative. I want to watch their individual stories.
0: Oh my gosh, me too. No, you'll definitely recognize where their slashers kind of came from.
1: There's clearly recognizable themes.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And some are kind of recognizable in a true crime capacity as well as in like a movie and book capacity. But everybody's uh slasher is very unique. And of course, of course, I would have loved to hear even more slasher backstories. I mean, I could totally read an entire entire book by Raphael Chandler of just all these different almost like folklore urban legend slashers and their backstories. I
1: like the idea of a bizarro world where the slashers were just a little bit different, where he takes a recognizable theme, but then twists it on its head and say, well, what if it was like this? What if the story went a little bit differently like this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a tongue-in-cheek uh to use that phrase, which I actually hate, <laughs> um, sort of vibe to this because it is something that a lot of horror fans and even some not horror fans are gonna recognize and appreciate. But but again, it, it's original. It's original enough that it's not everybody's slasher is a guy from camp and they were counselors and he comes out of the lake. And no, I mean everybody's got everybody's got their own thing going on. Let's talk a little bit about appeal, kind of on that note.
1: Yeah. So before we go to the break and we go to the spoiler section, we talk about our our appeal score, what we think, who we think that this book appeals to.
0: Do you want me to go first? I I do. Okay. This was a little difficult for me, but in the end, I went with my gut and I said this was a niche audience. Now, here's the thing. When I say niche, I still mean pretty general horror. But I don't think a lot of your sci-fi fans, fantasy fans who don't really dabble in horror, even your mainstream audiences, would get this and would, well, they might get it, but they're not going to appreciate it. They're not going to love it. They're not going to see it as the, the ode to this horror genre as it is. So, I mean, I think if you're a horror fan, this is definitely worth your time.
1: I'm tempted to give Mask a score of general appeal because of how much I enjoyed it. Right. Uh, And quite frankly, I, I air quotes got it, even though I'm not. I'm kind of a horror novice, but I think it's a niche book as well. Uh, but maybe in the best way.
0: Well, right. I, I don't mean that like only people of specific type of horror.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, it might not find an audience with people who are unfamiliar of the slashers of the 80s. But for those who are familiar with them and those who do like them, even if you're not obsessed with them. I think you'll cherish this book.
0: Right. And I kind of use my dad as an example a lot. This is totally a book I'm going to pass on to my dad to read. Because even though he really hasn't seen a lot of horror movies, he does read horror books and especially ones that I tell him to read. And I think he's going to really enjoy this. But, you know, there's always those people who are kind of your outliers and your anomalies. But he'd be a good gauge for me as a kind of not traditional horror guy. That I think like, oh yeah, I I think you're going to dig this.
1: And I think Chandler does a good enough job of, there's definitely slasher themes that are very wink, wink, nudge, nudge towards people who are familiar with them, but he does a good enough job of expanding on them and making them original where you don't have to know the original idea of where something came from in order to enjoy it.
0: Right. And a part of that, I guess we should say is actually just having sort of a pop culture reference. Okay, everybody, we've got to take a break. And then when we're going to come back, we're going to talk about all those nifty spoilers that we love to get into. So thanks for joining us for the first portion and come back for the second if you don't mind some spoilers. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GenreJunkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Hi, friends, welcome back to the spoilers section. Uh, have a seat, uh, grab a cup of tea or coffee, and let's talk spoilers. All right, I'm just going to kind of jump into this. Um, You know, the spoilers is a little bit all over the place. It's fine because at this point, we're kind of gushing about this book because we both really liked it. Chris, Chris Vargas, her turn is revealed very early on, very early on in the book.
1: Earlier than you would have typically expected in a book like this.
0: 100%. And I did not see that coming at all. Chris is not quite well. She is not in um, her right mind. She actually has a voice, maybe even a whole other persona that could or could not be real uh, inside her head. Oh, it's not just a voice. It's a spider. It's a
1: spider that yes. lives inside of her skull and Ooh. crawls about and speaks to her. How did you handle that, Sandra? Okay, so
0: here's the thing is I love, I love all God's creatures. I love animals. I adore them all. I'm a huge animal person. But spiders and I don't see eye to eyes. I do not enjoy spiders. They creep me the F out. Now, I will say that this spider I found quite likable in all of his demented, <laughs> psychotic glory of these conversations he had inside Chris's head with her he kind of egged her on he fed her bloodlust he gave her ideas
1: i loved his character he was funny so bloodthirsty too. he was hilarious oh
0: yeah and he was he, he swears a lot in in spanish
1: the way that he describes how she should kill people is just beautifully graphic
0: he has no patience for anybody anybody that even mildly pisses him off he's like ah. Slit their throat, those vatos. It's so Pull their good.
1: esophagus out of their stomach and oh, yeah, wear I it mean, around your neck like a like a lay.
0: <laughs> he's hilarious and he is in and of himself another character because he's very different than Chris. When we said earlier that we liked Chris, it's not just because of her uh, delicious, beautiful, psychotic turn. Chris is a multi-layered person, in and of herself.
1: Yeah, I really liked her before the reveal. I was a little bit sad but also very excited that she was the big bad
0: so chris is this incredibly intelligent genius level person and of course we're revealed through the end of the book that her own tragic story ugh, is 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 really sad and i guess we should probably warn people there's kind of some violence towards children in this book i mean it's not entirely graphic, the child violence in this book. It's not entirely graphic. But it is, you know, if you're the type of person that does not want to read about children in intense situations, it's a little hard.
1: I think it's a little graphic.
0: It could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse as of what happened to her as a child. It could be a lot worse.
1: Well, I suppose. I've read worse. But she was chained up in the basement, fed and tortured.
0: Well, absolutely. And, you know, she, before that even... The whole notion of the spider came about. The whole notion of the spider came about because her mom, who was very unwell, her adoptive mom, said that there was there was a little divot in her skull, which is a naturally occurring thing. They have a name for it. But her mom said, No, 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 there's a spider in there and he's gonna The spider lay- bit you and it laid eggs and it's gonna it's <laughs> gonna eat you from the inside. But you know what's even kind of the best thing about that? It
1: was true?
0: It well I don't know how things work in the, uh, how do you say that word? The the Carindine?
1: The red place.
0: The red garden, the Scarlet Garden, whatever it was. Uh, Okay. I love that. I want a vacation there.
1: Yeah, I want to diverge a little bit into that. I love the idea of the red garden. That's my favorite part of the book. It's such an ingenious idea of there being this place, this almost hell as it's described, where these... Beings of hatred come from.
0: A non-denominationally religious hell where everything is savage and disgusting and a little perverse, but really savagely beautiful. And he describes it, even though we don't get a lot of it, you get just enough to be like... Oh, yeah, like, I get this. I I get what's going on here. And it's basically where all these kind of supernaturally bent slashers spend their time before they repopulate back on Earth to torment their survivors and new victims.
1: It's very much like another plane of existence like you would find in a role-playing game. I see you, Raphael Chandler. I see you. <laughs>
0: That's a good catch there, Scott. Um, I didn't think about it that way, but but I love it. I love this little multiverse he had there. So, um, yeah, I felt a lot of empathy for Chris. She does some really atrocious things. And of course, murder is not socially acceptable or excusable. There's other ways to deal with these issues, people. We're not endorsing murder. But at the same time... She
1: executes them so brilliantly.
0: Absolutely. Just savagely and well thought out. She's a genius. She's a criminal mastermind.
1: Well, she took all of the savage traps... And preparation from her family of survivors and mix that with modern day technology to create these almost saw-like setups.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean by that. They're not necessarily traps, but it's almost like this, um, oh my God, what do you call it Ma- the game mouse trap.
1: Yes, exactly. They're the Rube called? Goldberg machines. Rube
0: Goldberg, thank you. Like
1: when she brings them all to the pig farm and oh, yeah. her whole plan when she's there is revealed and all of the traps that she's set up and she expects them to do exactly what they do. It's just so well delivered.
0: Absolutely. And I love a girl, a good girl villain. I love a good girl heroine, but I love me a nice lady villain. And she delivered on that for me. So since I love me a good lady villain, I love a villain who's always the nice, you know, that cliche phrase that I say a lot, and I totally believe in it. A villain is the hero of their own story. Chris is 100% the heroine of her story. She sets out with her mission. It takes her whole short lifetime to enact, and she does it, and she gets paydirt as well.
1: Yeah, she succeeds. At the end, she wins. She wins! And she wins in a bigger way than I was even anticipating.
0: And something that I really appreciate, even though she kind of <laughs> she kind of had to turn on Sam and Jesse a-, a little bit, you could say, uh, she still loved them, and she still really loved Bobby, and she saw in Bobby... She loved her whole little found family. But Bobby was really the one that she's like, this person cares for me. I care for them. We two need each other. And I thought that was really kind of beautiful.
1: It was very much a sister relationship, a real good sister relationship.
0: Absolutely. So I I was really here for that. Um, And I could have used even more of that, to be honest, because I liked it.
1: I'm biased in this sense, but I would have liked to see even stronger themes of found family.
0: Oh, yeah, because I love that. And I know you do, too.
1: It's very much there, but I would have liked it driven home a little bit harder.
0: Yeah, those bonds and that theme. I'm with you on that. So I've got two gripes. i going to say my gripes.
1: All right, let's hear these gripes.
0: Okay, I guess I have three gripes. Gripe number one. I need to know more about Lantern Jack right now. I need to know more about Lantern Jack yesterday. (laughs) As someone who's obsessed with Halloween, I have Halloween-themed tattoos. You guys know this. If there is a slasher named Lantern Jack that attacks on Halloween, I need to know everything about this individual immediately.
1: I can't believe he just left that one hanging on the tree.
0: That was a good one uh, on the Halloween tree. I mean, all of the slashers. He does give us a little something for every slasher, and I loved it. I, I loved that. That's. I, I'm kidding when I say it's a gripe. I loved that. I loved all of these slashers, recognizable and new. Um, second gripe: Why the dummy hate? Why the hate on ventriloquist <laughs> dummies and dolls? I I
1: think that they did him a lot of justice.
0: I mean, Hugo was fantastic in case you guys don't know i actually have them looking at them right now i have three ventriloquist dummies i was raised on slappy from rl stein i love ventriloquist dummies i know they creep people out and there is something you know in the uncanny about them but i'm all about them i love dolls too and i love creepy doll and creepy dummy tropes but i'm always like don't be hating on my dummies. Dummies need love, too. Well,
1: he's the slasher I most cared about. Like, I actually really liked that character. I was I wanted him to survive and make it.
0: Right. And he's kind of your Chucky child's play persona. Uh, there's toys, there's shades of toys and Puppet Master in there, too. But I mean, you know, I just got to do my part as a doll and dummy enthusiast to stop the doll hate.
1: And can I just also say, this book came out this year, but this book was written around the same time and before The Cult of Chucky. Definitely before. So a little bit of a spoiler alert for Cult of Chucky, but he called Andy keeping Chucky in a box and torturing him.
0: Oh, yeah. No, he way called that. Like just
1: home run,
0: no oh, scope yeah.
1: headshot yeah, on exactly.
0: that. Babe Ruth pointing to the outfield. This is where the ball is heading. No, he totally did that. and And that was sort of a... There's shades of that archetype in horror movies and horror books of the one that kind of keeps the enemy close. Besides the Cult of Chucky reference, that was kind of Sam deal is because he's killed this thing so many times that he finally found a theoretically impossible way for the doll to escape. And he did that by keeping it close.
1: The way that they describe Hugo actually getting out of that cage finally, which really was Sam's fault, is just so, again, I felt bad for Hugo. It sounded painful.
0: (laughs) Well, it was excruciating and it even said it was painful for the guy. And then he gets into his body and he's like ancient, like he's so old and he's feeble and he cannot defend himself. It's kind of like, Hugo, you should stay in that box, my friend. So those were my two, my two kind of joke gripes. And I did mention I had three. A little bit of a spoiler gripe for me, not huge, but I found the ending, not the very ending, not the last few pages, but the climax was for me a little muddy. There was kind of a lot going on, Um, the militia dudes, and all the slashes are out, and it was, I mean, it was fine, it was written fine, but it was a little bit of a, my head was kind of spinning, and not necessarily in a good way.
1: That's really funny, because I agree that the ending I didn't attach myself to the ending as much as I wanted to, but not not the ending that you didn't like. I loved the preppers.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, those you and your damn preppers, man. Well, I'm
1: not. I'm not a huge prepper fan, but I really, I thought that was a really fun twist.
0: It, It was a fun twist, and they
1: were just totally, completely unprepared, and it was a great moment for jesse to basically show off oh you guys are prepping you don't know anything and he just just tears down every prepping decision that they've made and how terrible and how much it won't work
0: i loved his little bug out bags that he had ready to go for everybody in case stuff really um went down i thought that was cute little little note
1: see i had a bit of a problem with the very ending with the army of slashers rising up
0: what
1: so, I liked the concept. I actually I actually loved the concept. Yeah. But I felt that there wasn't anything in the book to set up that payoff.
0: Oh, see, that's why I liked that, is because it was a, like in a, the end of a lot of good horror movies, in the end of a lot of good slasher movies, you can't really keep a good slasher down. They always come back for one more scare. And I. I loved that twist. I loved that Bobby and Chris as their weird new slasher personas, because they have a bond that cannot die. They're now leading this ginormous apocalyptic slasher uprising. I am here for it. I loved it, loved it, loved it.
1: But was that Chris's intention all along? Or is that just something that happened after Chris and Bobby became... Undead slashers.
0: Supernatural slashers. I mean, but here's the thing is, I mean, Chris had everything you know, planned out, orchestrated, uh, down to dotting every I, crossing every T, but it didn't quite go the way she planned for it. And part of that was with killing of uh, Bill Gunness, that that didn't go as planned, that she ended up, um, you know, kind of dying herself, and then that her spider got dragged away. She didn't save Bobby, which was her big, you know, like was going to be her like grand finale Is I'm not going to let Belle... <laughs> She was She was not going to let her win and take her sister, take her friend. So I kind of like that even in supernatural death or undeadness, whatever you want to call it, Chris was still like, I got this. I'm a genius. And if I'm truly unstoppable, then let's see how far I can push this.
1: I guess I can appreciate that. That does round out the ending a little bit more for me. I wish that it had been laid out a little bit more clearly on why she decided to. Well, let me be clear. I'm really happy that Bobby became an undead slasher. I'm really happy that the two of them did rise up and that they did meet up with Jesse in the end. It's just them creating the apocalypse. I don't really understand why.
0: Why? Because why the hell not? Because they can. Because Chris is a genius. She's a criminal mastermind.
1: I I guess you're right.
0: I don't know, man. If I can't convince you, I don't know what to tell you. But it it just it worked for me. I was picking up what they were laying down there. Um, I loved her name as the Gorehound too. Skin graft. That was uh, what's his name's Jesse's the mirror trapped person. I loved the way their trips kind of played out. Like we kind of talked about, Sam was the one who you know kind of kept his slasher his enemy close. Uh, Jesse became a recluse, and Bobby kind of lived day to day. And they all kind of went rounds with their slasher, but she was the one that was always like, "Bitch, gonna come back. I'm gonna have to take her out," and she didn't. I mean, she didn't have like a healthy lifestyle by any means, but she's a survivor, like a true survivor. And I thought that was really cool. And you don't totally get that pay dirt until really the near end of the book. Without further ado, let's give this uh, let's give this book how many slasher kills out of ten?
1: I loved so many things about Mask. Chandler was so inventive with his imagining of a world of. Secret supernatural killers and put a lot of thought into bringing that into modern day. While I ended up endeared to the characters in the end, it took a while to get there. Also, as I said, at the very end, it was a very abrupt change of tone. Uh, It led me wondering where that came from. That said, I'm a sucker for a good passion project. And it's more than that. The writing is sharp, it's purposeful, and it really caters to its target audience, the slasher fan. I'm giving it seven kills out of 10.
0: I love it. I feel uh, really similar to you in a lot of ways. I said this earlier in the episode, I really feel like this is a love letter to horror fans, specifically people who love slashers, um, really fun, funny, graphic, gory, well-thought-out, well-executed stuff by an author that deserves way, way, way more hype than he has right now. And though I had my little gripes and I wanted some more, this sucker still earns from me a solid eight kills out of 10.
1: All right.
0: All right, guys. Well, that does it. Let's, uh, Let's say goodnight. To The Mask Beneath Her Face. Good
1: night, The Mask Beneath Her Face, which was a spider.
0: Yeah, which was a spider. All right, everybody, we love you. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. This is our last episode of the year. And please spend your New Year's reading past your bedtime. (laughs)